up everybody it's josh welcome back to the still search podcast um back on the video format we're uh experimenting with some new technology decided to um some more videos to the show uh i'm actually live on facebook too this is all brand new just going going for it why not let's just, let's just try it bust it out um so today i got a special guest believe it or not i was going through my facebook memories and this person was on the show exactly two years ago. Um, I don't know if you knew that, but um, excited to have you back. Um, this is the official pastor of the Still Searching Podcast. Uh, most of you guys know that I'm all over the place and we talk about all sorts of different things. Um, but when I want to get some like theology back to the show and try to like right the ship a little bit, I bring I bring my man. TC more to the show. What's up, TC? What's up? How you doing, man? It's good to be back, man. I'm good, doing well. Good to have you. Good to have you. I, I I'm I just I love uh, I love you, man. I, I always enjoy just uh chopping it up with you. Um we can go for like months without talking and then just like out of nowhere we'll just hit hit you know hit you up or you call me or whatever and it's like we just never stopped. Something will happen in the in the culture, and we'll just connect and be like, pick up where we left off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Before we get into the subject, though, um, how you doing? I, I I heard that you're writing a book right now. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's Actually, um, I just submitted the first couple of chapters to my editor on Friday, and I would say I have probably. 50% of the book, the remainder of the book, already written. Nice. 50%. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's about about right. So what's the process like of like writing a book? I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, So, I mean, it's probably different for everybody. But for me, I'm drawing together a lot of material that I've worked on for years, right? Because this book isn't just something that I just came up with. This is like the story of my life, you know? This is like the thing that's at the core of why I do everything I do. Yeah. Um, the theme of the book, the, the title of the book is Thicker Than Blood. Mm. And the subtitle is Following the Jesus Way into Forged Family. Wow. And right here, this what, what we're doing right now is a product of this theme because you and I are forged family. You know, you and I are thicker than blood because of our our connection in Christ. And I I feel like that's been the heart of my ministry, the heart of my life, what's guided me for 20 plus years. Mm. So so I'm pulling together sermons from, you know, years ago and and piecing together the pieces. But but I have a, a structure and I'm sticking to my structure and I'm sticking to my theme and um I think it's going to be dope <laughs> if I don't say so myself. <laughs> I bet. I know it. I know it. Um, I can't wait to pre-order it, man. As soon as that link comes out, I'm on it. And I'll definitely tell the homies to run that up. <laughs> All right. So so today's topic, um, something happened last Monday um, in the in the Christian hip-hop world, um, or I guess in, in Christianity, too. Um, uh a prominent 
hip hop artists from the late nineties or even mid nineties, probably late nineties to early two thousands, um, mm-hmm. was a part, uh, uh, this gentleman was a part of a hip hop group called the cross movement. Um, Brady fanatic was one of like the best MCs, um, in my opinion, in that group. And, uh, on Monday, he recently, uh, renounced the faith, um, in a lengthy, oh, about 25 minute Facebook live video. And it kind of, it's kind of like the talk of the town in, in, in this circle. Um, yep. and you and I like, and right away, just like, yo, like, what did you see this? And we just, I called you. I'm like, yo, we need to talk about this. We had a great conversation. I just shared like my story of like, man, I was like, I was a teenager listening to the cross movement and, um, and this group and their music. So, but you know what? I want I want to be very c- kind of clear. Like, I think this is a conversation that is sort of happening in one circle. You know what I mean? Because I've been I've been kind of following this. It's not like a lot of people don't even really know what's going on, and I'm not sure a lot of people even care. You and I care because like we were like we came up with this. Like this was part of our mm-hmm. formation, and like we were like this was so much a part of our lives. Hip hop. And then like gospel, so like the fusion of the two. Um, I share with you my story of like what was appealing to me as you know a kid who grew up in a quote unquote not non denominational church was like the language that was being used in the rhymes. Right, it was different. It sounded very different. They were using like big words that I wasn't used to hearing when they're talking about the gospel and God and Jesus and whatnot. And um, what I think that was, what I found out later was like, okay, this was a very specific lens of theology that they're interpreting, you know, the Bible and then sharing their music with. Long story short, um, what am I trying to say? I don't even really know. What I'm trying to say is I think you you have a, a very uh, good perspective on, on what, what's happening here. I'm sort of like, eh, you know, good for him. He, he, he lost his faith. Cool. I think I think I share with you like I talked to a friend of mine Ryan who was like good I think all Christians should should lose should step away from Christianity <laughs> and and yeah and I understand what he's what he means by that I don't think some people some people be like what what do you mean we all should step away from Christianity well to me it's like well we have a form of Christianity or or even you know if we can just narrow it down to Western Christianity it's very different it's not. It's not the same Christianity that has been around since, you know, the beginning, right, of, or, or its inception. So in that sense, I'm like, yeah, let's throw all that out, especially this new, like, uh, American fusion and, uh, like, Christian nationalism. Yeah, let's let's definitely throw that out. Um, right. But uh, you and I just started to, like, talk about this, and, and I don't know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm rambling for eight minutes now, but... TC, let, let's just jump into this. What's going on here? <laughs> well, I think I think a couple things you you touched on um, are important here. That this is important to you and me because it's part of our story. You know, the the Christian hip hop community uh, met us in a place where we were in need of encouragement and intellectual stimuli stimulation and growth in our faith and groups like the cross movement in particular 
encouraged us and and inspired us uh, to study and to seek and to believe. And, you know, they were a different breed. They were, like you said, more intellectual, more studious, more theological. And, you know, prior to the cross movement really coming on the scene strong, a lot of the Christian hip hop that you and I might listen to was a little bit like imitation. It was like trying to be like yeah. mainstream hip hop, but like put Jesus in the track, you know, put Jesus, put Jesus in the lyrics. Right. But gospel, I feel like, gospel I feel like, <laughs> yeah, gospel gangsters. Exactly. But gospel like, gangsters would literally, would, they would really put the N word in their music back in, <laughs> on that first album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the cross movement was coming at it from a different, different um, angle. They were really trying to fuse a intellectually rigorous and theologically rich uh, faith with really solid hip hop beats and lyricism, right? Right. And I feel like they succeeded. I feel like they were. I feel like they were at the top of the game in the early two thousands. You know, and so. For us, it's a little bit nostalgic, you know. When you when you when I when I started following Fanatic on Facebook, it was a little nostalgic. It was like, wow, you know, this is the dude I used to listen to 15, 20 years ago, right? Right. Um, and so so that's that's a little bit of the background of why this is important to us. It's also important because of the moment that we're living through, right? I think I think this this came up a little bit in his video and it came up a little bit in some of the responses that we've already listened to is that, you know, he began struggling with his faith, doubting his faith about five years ago. And like a few people have already mentioned, well, the last five years in American history have yeah. been extraordinary. <laughs> they have been, you know, uniquely challenging, um, especially, I would say, even for African-Americans. And for somebody as connected and as tuned in to the culture as a fanatic, right? Like as fanatic would be, um, it's going to be particularly challenging for him. And so for him to say, you know, the last five years, that's when he really started to like doubt and started to like be skeptical of his faith, you know, that lines up. And, um, and then I'll say this, the other thing, the other reason why this is important, I think to you and me is because you and I, have had a lot of conversations about different tribes, different traditions, different theological perspectives and how they differ and how some are actually harmful. Mm. Some can actually lead you down a path where you start to have a view of God and a view of humanity and a view of yourself, you know, that that leads to some some damage. Um in particular, I'm just going to name the elephant in the room. In particular, you and I have had conversations, multiple conversations about reformed theology, right. about Calvinism in particular. And one of the things that uniquely set apart the cross movement in the early 2000s was they were boastful. They were proud. They were, you know, uh, they were putting forth in a very upfront way their theological perspective as reformed Christians, right? We are reformed, right? They're very proud of it. In fact, I mean, even to this day, Ambassador is still in his response to Fanatics video is still 
espousing <laughs> reformed theology right. in his response. Yeah. You know, talking about the perseverance of the saints. So yeah. for listeners who aren't aren't familiar with this this perspective, okay? I feel like I I owe it to some people to break this down. Like um and I don't know how far back I should go. How far back should I go? <laughs> you know. I mean like, it's like uh what would be most helpful i don't know it's like it's like this approach of like taking theology and like okay we got to put a system to it and let's call it systematic yeah. theology or you know that's a very this is this is what it is and you have to be solid like firm in what you believe this there's yes, no there's no outside of this there you go there you go there you go that's it that's it that's it okay so so the reason why you and I have had so many conversations about Reformed theology is because it touches on another subject that's near and dear to our hearts, fundamentalism. Mm. So Reformed theology comes at the Christian faith from a very Western lens. And that Western lens, like you said, leads to this like categorization and this systemization, systematization systematization um, of the faith, right? Putting it in boxes. And here's the fundamentalist bent. The fundamentalist bent is this is actually the only true perspective. Right. If you're outside of these bounds, this box that we've created, well, you're actually a heretic. You're actually, you're actually mistaken in some way. Right. And so that fundamentalist lens contributes, we, we believe, to a, a, a very damaging perspective to someone's faith. You know, it, it, it pits them, us against them. It creates this very like in, insider, outsider boxes and, and barriers and, and boundaries, right? Um, which you and I have deconstructed. And, and cross movement for all the good that they did, which I, I, I fully believe they did a lot of good, one of the things they did was they popularized Reformed theology. They really put it out there as the best form of theology, the best possible way to understand the Christian faith. And a lot of people bought into that. And I remember 20 years ago, I'm I'm just going to say it, 20 years ago I said, this is going to backfire. (laughs) This is going to implode. Like, Like this is how you get, you set people up for a fall. Mm. That's that's what I was saying 20 years ago, because I was saying, okay, part of the reason why I was saying that is because reformed theology has always rested on that Western lens, which also includes white supremacy. Mm. So so there's a famous example of this. A famous example of this is um, a black hip hop artist, Christian hip hop artist named Propaganda. You remember when Propaganda released Precious Puritans. Yeah. Precious Puritans uh, w- was a knife in the side of Reformed theology, right? It was, it was, hold up, wait a minute. I have totally bought into this system. I have totally embraced Reformed theology. But now I'm hearing you praise slaveholders. Now I'm hearing you say the best Reformed theology comes from Jonathan Edwards, who owned slaves. Yeah. And, and, and the, the song betrays, the song talks about the betrayal that he felt, that, that propaganda felt. 
in that moment of like, wait a second, something's not right here. How can he have the best theology, but his theology aided and abetted his white supremacy and his and his uh, his slave owning? Which, How is which, that possible? Which which is really ironic too, because propaganda was into reformed theology when he was uh, oh absolutely with humble beast with uh oh absolutely braille and odd thomas yeah who ironically absolutely. i remember odd thomas so I, i'm old school christian hip-hop i was at a show where i was talking to prop um a couple months uh, in october and i was like yo he's like i remember you i told him this i remember you from glory and he was like what he's like no one's ever told me that he was in a group called glory um in the 90s before he went to tunnel rats and glory was like beefing with tunnel rats and this is when like <laughs> it was like legit mc battles like against two crews and it was all like in this realm of christian hip-hop long story short he hooks up with humble beast and is heavy into reformed theology which he's totally bro- exactly. broken breaking away from exactly yeah. exactly i, I want prop on here actually i wanted to talk to him about that <laughs> that's that's my point exactly so prop has totally deconstructed the colonized western white supremacist uh packaging of christian of christian faith you know my wife my wife has been at conferences with prop and they've had conversations you know they've they've spoken at the same conferences and they've had conversations about this but back in the day when he wrote Precious Puritans, he was still in that, that yeah. reformed theology. And he felt so betrayed by it. And, and, and the same thing happened to Lecrae. Yeah. Lecrae used to be smiling with John Piper, uh, like, I- yo, me and John Piper, we're buddies, you know? And then as soon as the Black Lives Matter movement started picking up steam and Lecrae was like, yo, my people are being gunned down in the streets. And everybody was- yo, the white the white calvinist was like what are you talking about bro yeah why are you bringing race why are you bringing race into this yeah and he was like what what do you mean why am i bringing race into this like like i'm a, I'm a black christian like that's part of my identity They're like oh no no brother no brother not in reformed theology right <laughs> you know and so i so all this to say i was sounding the alarm bells about the mismatch between reformed theology and Christian hip hop 20 years ago, bro, saying, no, this is, this is going to end in disaster. Mm. And, um, and I know, and I know ambassador is still going strong, but he had, he had his struggles at one point. I think I remember that he had his struggles. Others have crashed and burned. Um, we'll probably get to the, we'll probably get to the track, um, the five solos track with Willie will, Willie will crashed and burned, you know, at one point. Yeah. You know, so so fundamentalism, of which reformed theology is a type of fundamentalism, sets people up for a fall. Mm. And that's because it... What is it? The fall? Yeah. The fall is when you hit the limits of what the human mind can comprehend... And then that limit feels like a prison. Mm. Then you then then you 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 start to doubt the system. The system starts to fail. Because but because the Bible was never meant to be a system. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The Christian faith is not meant to be systematized 
and and boxed up. It's meant to be lived. It's an organic, holistic way of life, a way of being. And Reformed theology, following the Western tradition, has de- has compartmentalized compartmentalized the life of the mind, the life of the the life of the heart, the community. All these things have been compartmentalized. Mm. And see, the Hebraic way and the Jesus way and the majority world way outside of the West is holistic. Mm. It's not compartmentalized. And so you 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 meet a fundamental resistance. Right? You meet this wall. And when people hit that wall, a lot of them fall. A lot of them fall. You know? I've I've seen it happen time and time and time again. And um people will say I'm picking on reformed theology, but there's other forms of fundamentalism. You and I are very acquainted with the Pentecostal form of fundamentalism. Very acquainted with it. Right. So so I'm not saying that you, you only reform theology sets people up for fail for a fall. I'm saying all types of fundamentalism sets people up for a fall. Right. Right. Let's let's fundamentalism in itself is is damaging. Yeah. The, exactly. And we're seeing it in politics now. So mm-hmm. it's like it's not Absolutely. just this one thing. Let's actually play uh, just a clip of the video for those who may not. Um, you know, or just want to hear it from himself, and we'll kind of play a few minutes of this. Uh, my struggle is, I know that there are a there's a world of people who are going to be crushed, who are going to be let down, and disappointed, and hurt, and sad, and uh, uh, by hearing uh, hearing this. But anyway, I sent a letter to my church, withdrawing my membership, and saying. Um, that I, I uh, make it plain. Yeah, saying that I am uh, denouncing the Christian faith that I have believed, professed, proclaimed, and defended for the last thirty years of my life. Uh, thirty years. You know, traveling the world, preaching to others, um, preaching to others what I what I wholeheartedly believe, and um, I know there's all kinds of questions like what, how can this be, um, and I'll get into all the how this can be. Maybe, uh, maybe not all here and now, but um, suffice it to say. 2014, uh, I began to have doubts. I began to wrestle uh, with my faith. And uh, I, I'm hesitant to say what even led me to struggle because I know the mentality of some people, they're going to run all the way left with this. Um, this may be red meat for the people who are anti-seminary, anti-intellectualism, anti-all that. Uh, but it just so happens to be that I was in seminary at the time. I had done Bible college uh, earlier in the 2000s, and in Bible college, you know, I I came through unscathed for the most part. Though I did in Bible college sort of adjust my view from uh, inerrancy, biblical inerrancy, to infallibility, which was kind of a a, a lesser claim, but still just as solid in terms of the Bible being trustworthy. 
I was Bible college back in the early. All right. All right. So that was a couple minutes there. And you can tell he's really struggling to get it out. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's hurt. I mean, he, not, maybe he's not hurt, but it's like it hurts to tell his, uh, his truth. Um, one thing that stuck out to me was I began to have doubts. And for somebody who is so rooted in this systematic, your, your faith has to be ironclad, now things start to fall apart. When I went through, quote unquote, deconstruction, doubts, uh, doubts were what led me closer to God, I felt. Exactly. Um, exactly. When I let that need to be certain go, um, ironically, <laughs> uh, it's when I, I felt like I was closer to to, 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 to Jesus or to God or the gospel. Um, and you know, my, my, my views are very different now. It's like very, very different. And, and you and I kind of differ on that. I'm, I'm into like the woo woo stuff. I'm into the, <laughs> yeah, I'm into the, uh, oh my God, I just forgot his name. Um, roar, roar, Richard roar. Like, I know you can't stand Richard roar. I love no, it. No, 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 no. Okay. I wouldn't put it that way. At okay. All. It's, it's not that, it's not that I, I can't stand war. Um, I, I, I appreciate Roar in a lot of ways. Um, I think that, you know, I probably wouldn't go as far as Roar goes in yeah. some, in some directions, but I appreciate where he's coming from. And I think he's helped a lot of people. Um, something you said though, something you said, let me piggyback on something you said. Yeah. So you said that in your deconstruction, doubt drew you closer to the divine. What, what see, did, which is what I wasn't trying to do. I was trying to like get right. away from it. I'm like, this is right. this don't make sense. But see, that's, that's the point. That's the difference. It's not, that's yeah. the difference between fundamentalism and what I would call the Jesus way. It's that that need for certainty. You know, the whole framework that fanatic was operating with was truth, falsehood. Mm. certainty doubt right black white right he was operating in a very binary very rigid structure that was bound to break you know and like you said when you gave up the need for certainty that's when you felt that that intimacy that closeness with the divine and see, that's what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about when I when I say fundamentalism sets you up for a fall, I'm saying that when you reject the system and you think the system is the, the totality of it, when you think the system is God and everything all wrapped up in one package, then God goes out the window with the package, right? Yeah. But when you can separate the system from the divine, when you can separate the packaging cultural, you know, uh, historical, denominational, doctrinal packaging from the divine, then you can actually move closer to the divine in your doubts, in your questions, in your seeking, right? Still searching. In your still searching, you move closer to the divine rather than now I have to renounce the faith because I have doubts. I have doubts. My questions aren't answered. So therefore, Christianity must be false. Right, right. And so what? What really tripped me then? 
you know, at the time it wasn't fun. Like, uh, you know, I think deconstruction is like popular right now. And I hate that. I hate that it's popular because it's not the thing to do. It's not like, Oh, this is the cool thing to do. Let's, let's deconstruct now. Um, and when I went through it, it wasn't fun at all. It was very scary, painful, and it happened naturally. It wasn't like, this was even before I even knew what deconstruction was. Like it was right. just started. You didn't have a term for it. Yeah, it wasn't, I couldn't put it into words. And so now it's like a cool thing to do. And so now like very conservative, uh, um, you know, denominations or, 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 uh, it, interpretations of scripture or whatever they're now attacking people who are going through deconstruction so it's like it's just we're in this weird place of like it's kind of popular and then now this other side is starting to finally acknowledge that this is happening and now they're saying like oh well you never really were you know in christ or you never really were uh and you know saved or your faith never really was strong your faith doesn't have to be strong right like <laughs> You just need a little bit. <laughs> right, right. What happened to what happened to the mustard seed? Yeah, you just need a little mustard seed, bro. Well, well, you I I think you you also touched on something that is like a pet peeve of mine. A pet peeve of mine is when people have experienced one type of Christianity. Mm. They have been exposed to a small sliver of christianity right they 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 grew up in a particular tradition let's say it's pentecostalism or let's say it's calvinism right and they've been immersed in that tradition for decades and then they they reach that deconstruction point when when they're questioning their faith when they're questioning god when the when, when circumstances in their lives don't add up right and so they say, I renounce Christianity when what they mean is I renounce the Christianity that I've experienced, mm. right? My small sliver. And I, and, I, and I told you an analogy that I thought of. So here's the analogy. The analogy I thought of is if somebody said to, to you, uh, Josh, America is awesome. <laughs> America is so diverse. Yeah. and has such great food and has such great you know cities amazing cities full of life right and then like so you move to america okay and you live in america for 30 plus years you know like fanatic 30 years i preached it i believed in it right so you live in america for 30 years but you live in one state of america right and that state is utah utah <laughs> right? Like you lived in Utah for 30 years. And after 30 years of living in Utah, you're like, you know what? America sucks. Like I, I can't stand America. I was told America was diverse. I didn't see diversity. I was told America had good food. I didn't have good food. I was told America had these amazing cities full of life. You know, I lived in the podunk country. Yeah. So, so I guess America sucks. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving America. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. You didn't experience America. You experienced Utah. Utah. <laughs> One little Bro, like, city in Utah. Yeah. Bro, this is my pet peeve. My pet peeve is like when people say like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm walking away from Christianity. And I'm like, which, who's Christianity? Yeah. 
Because you're not you're not walking away from Greek orthodoxy, right? You're not walking away from Coptic orthodoxy. You're not walking away from Latin American Pentecostalism. You're walking away from a very particular tradition within American Christianity. Like, like for example, I know people who have almost exclusively gone to Hillsong's churches. Right. Right? And they're like, I'm done with church. I'm done with church. I'm done with Christianity. I'm like, you only went to Hillsong's. Like, that's your only exposure to, like, Christianity is yeah. Hillsong's. Right. You can't really judge you can't really judge Christianity by one Americanized, corporatized, you know, uh uh celebritized, <laughs> you know, version of it, right? And it it actually reminds me of this uh this this tweet that uh Lecrae tweeted just the other day, right? The, it was the day that Fanatic put out his video. Uh I'm I'm going to try to find it. Um vamp while i try to find it yeah yeah speaking of like that that uh, celebritized i can't stand that like if you if you're if you're wearing skinny jeans and like you know you got on the gucci belt like i'm out i can't you know what i mean it's not, <laughs> not my thing just, do you follow do you follow preachers and sneakers oh yeah Instagram? yeah yeah for sure i love that account the great account um so, so here's the tweet here's the here's the tweet the tweet is Lecrae tweeted this the same day Fanatic put out his video. Once upon a time, I thought I was done with Christianity. But the reality was, I was just done with the institutional, corporatized, gentrified, politicized, culturally exclusive version of it. Mm. Yikes. And and we know Lecrae's journey, too. We know parts of it. We know that when he started to speak up about Black Lives Matter, when he started to say, yo, yeah, yeah, they dropped him. White but, churches that booked him for, you know, shows. Said, not only oh, that, he rock. was he was a big part of those Desiring God, like, conferences, um, that whole network of, of churches, which I have no idea. Like, that's just, I just not in those circles, but I know it was big. Um, I Mm -hmm. think they were called passion or something like that. The passion Mm -hmm. uh, conferences and they would have like all kinds of like artists show up and it was like Piper at the end would give like a, you know, a message. Yeah. And, and Lecrae was one of the big draws to reformed theology, um, through his music and his ministry. You know, he was also one of these dudes that appealed to the intellect. And appeal to the theological rigor, you know, people that wanted to go deeper in their faith and wanted to like study the Bible and really understand the faith. He appealed to those folks and brought them into Reformed theology, but he himself, you know, hit the wall within Reformed theology, right? Within Reformed theology, he hit the wall of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. He hit the wall of corporatized, gentrified, all the things he just said, Right. right? And... You know, if if Lecrae had walked away from the faith, if Lecrae had issued his statement saying, I denounce Christianity, I'd be saying the same thing about him. Bro, you you're not denouncing Christianity. You're denouncing that small sliver of Christianity that you've experienced, which is very much tied to the Western white captivity of Christianity in Reformed theology. Yeah. 
Yeah. So to 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 keep us moving along, um, the reason why you and I were are still like we've talked about already is like we're we're invested in like we care about this. We both are friends, uh, at least on Facebook. I've never met him, but we're friends with Fanatic on Facebook. So mm-hmm. you commented on the post and kind of gave him a little pushback. Um, and yeah, you I gave him a lot of pushback. You gave him a lot of pushback. You gave him a lot of pushback. <laughs> And so yeah. there was at that time there were like a couple hundred comments. Now there's thousands, so you have to like, mm-hmm. try to like scroll to find the the conversation that you guys were having, and you kind of were just trying to say, man, this is just like a, like exactly what we've been saying for the last how long thirty seven minutes was like, hey, this is what happens <laughs> when you when you yep. literally you know try to hunker down and th- put all your cards on the table on this um way of thinking and he basically was like nah that ain't me like (laughs) what yeah what happened there what happened was i said this is what happens basically i reiterated my warning from decades ago that this is what this is what reformed theology does it sets people up for a fall because it's a type of fundamentalism and he pushed back saying i was never reformed he said those words, never, or wrote those words in a comment. I was never reformed, which blew my mind, literally blew my mind. I was like, how can he even say that? Right. Because like, we were there, like you and I were there. We were fans. That- we were listening to his music. We were like rocking with him and we heard the doctrine that he that, was, that's that he was what, teaching. That's what appealed to me because like I said, I, I grew up in, in, you know, uh, Pentecostal fundamentalism to an degree, which was ironically called non-denominational, but, uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but like, that's exactly. what caught my ear was like, they're saying, I've never heard these things. Like, yeah. that's what was catching my ear was the theology, which I had never heard. And yeah. so I'm like, this is different. What is this years later? Yeah. I found so, this so- all reform. So like, it's like saying, I, I, it's like saying Snoop was like, Oh, I was never a crit. Like exactly. we've listened to your music from '93, like when you first came out with Dr. Dre, like exactly like that. It's exactly like that, bro. If, if 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 Snoop was asked right now, like, yo, like, you know, the reason why you act this way is because you was a crip, and he was like, yo, I was never a crip. We would <laughs> laugh, bro. We'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, you were the most famous crip in the world. In the world. <laughs> DPP like fanatic, yeah. fanatic in in 2003 or 2004 like that era like fanatic was the most famous calvinist i knew of mm. like i was i wasn't rocking with like john piper i didn't know who those people were like it was ambassador and fanatic were the most famous calvinists i knew right so it's wild for him to be like i was never reformed now now here's what i think is going on right okay so somebody hit me to this uh, in, in one of the like subsequent comments beneath it. I think that like within his circle, he was a little bit less reformed than like some of the other guys in the group, right? And so because he was like a little bit less reformed, he's like, oh, I wasn't as reformed as like I could have been. But that really doesn't, that really doesn't change the equation though. Because- I'm, Yeah, I mean, even even in the video clip that we just shared, he said, he used words like infallibility, 
and what was it inerrancy and Mm -hmm. so i didn't hear those words until i started understanding what reformed theology was right right i mean that just the the language that he was still he's still using right now is like it's only telling us like he obviously is reformed and apologetics too right he talks a lot in that video about how he went to seminary to study apologetics well apologetics is is almost an exclusive obsession of fundamentalists yeah fundamentalists are the ones that are defending the faith fundamentalists are the ones that are arguing for the faith and and you know and debating non-believers and debating members of other religions like that's that's almost exclusively a fundamentalist phenomenon is apologetics right and and i can speak from experience like when i first came to faith i came to faith in in fundamentalist pentecostalism and i was obsessed with apologetics i read i read i don't know if you remember these books but i read um you know evidence that demands a verdict right i never read josh mcdowell's books yeah like these were these were books that were designed to give you like the answers right when yeah. people ask when people have objections to the faith here's the answer when right. they say how do you how do you explain this here's the answer right like those were the books like for for like for like for like uh, amateur apologists right <laughs> yeah and i read those books i, I was obsessed with that stuff because i was in fundamentalism and, and here's something i said to him in the comments that i really think i really think people need to understand is that He's doing this thing where he's like, yo, in my mind, in my in my brain, I differentiated myself from other members of cross movement who were more reformed than me. So in my mind, I'm saying I'm not reformed. But what I said to him was that being part of a tradition is not merely a checklist of doctrines that you affirm. Being part of a tradition is also the institutions that form us it's also the relationships that we build it's also the the practices that we participate in those things form us in a tradition and this dude went to a reformed church for years right he said 10 years ago he left epiphany 10 years ago bro like that means for you know for a decade or more Maybe maybe longer. He was in a reformed church, and and I don't and I don't know which church he moved to after that. Maybe he moved to another reformed church, but but he was in a reformed church. He went to Westminster, bro. I can't emphasize this enough. Yeah, I can't emphasize this enough. I went to Gordon Conwell, which was a very reformed school, and we saw Westminster. People from Gordon Conwell saw Westminster as way more reformed than us. Wow. <laughs> like like we are like not. Compared to Westminster, we're not even like we can't even call ourselves reformed okay. compared to them. Yeah, that's like that's like the the Harvard of reformed theology. Okay, I mean, is it, goes to what, isn't isn't there like different levels too? Like within like Calvinism, like isn't there yeah. like like a high level? Like unless you're yes. like fully in uh, invested in the tulip or something like that, right? Or I don't, I don't absolutely, even. absolutely. So, so I read I read so, like two books on reformed theology like ten years ago. I can't. Remember. So so one of, one of the major divisions in reformed theology is is between the Kuyperians and the, the the ones that follow more in the Puritan tradition, right? So you have the the John Pipers of the world who would be considered like neo Puritan. He's he's following in the Jonathan Edwards 
path of Calvinism, right? Mm -hmm. And that's very obsessed with like salvation and TULIP. TULIP is an acronym that means total depravity, un un unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and the perseverance of the saints, right? right? And so they're very obsessed with like God's sovereignty over salvation, who's elect, who's not elect, who's saved, who's not saved from all eternity, God's, God's uh, providence, and the atonement, right? Limited atonement. So, so that's the Puritan stream. Then the Kuyperian stream is more like, have, are you familiar with like James K.A. Smith, his work? Uh -uh. He's out of Calvin College in, uh, in I think it's in Grand Rapids, uh, which is more Dutch reformed. And that stream of Calvinism is less concerned about like tulip and more concerned about how God's providence interacts with like culture making. So mm. if you read Smith's books, it's more about like how do we engage with the culture, right? And this is in the stream of Abraham Kuyper, a different type of reformed dude. And so... What's interesting is cross movement was always on the Puritan side, always, yeah. always on the Puritan side. They were always straight up tulip. And, um, you know, that's that's evidenced by some of the tracks that they like they, they in their lyrics. Right. Yeah. So so one of the things that I, I used as evidence when I was when I was sort of like pushing back against Fanatic was I was like, bro, you were featured on a track called the five solas bro the five solas is like the motto of the reformation you know it's, yeah. it's literally it's literally shorthand for sola scriptura sola gloria day sola christa christi like you know like in christ alone yeah. to god's glory alone uh scripture alone right like these are the mottos of the reformation yo and yeah. for him to, for him to for him I, to be featured on that track and to rap on that track in support of the theme of that track, he literally espoused Reformed theology in his lyrics. DC, I got the track. You want to hear it? Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. My man, Fnatic. Fnatic is dope. We, we're hip hop guys. I mean, you can see. Oh, oh yeah. We're saved oh, by grace good. alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we make them known through this microphone. I told ya, get your hands high, soldier, and praise God for the five solas. Scripture alone is the highest authority known, the Lord's on the throne, to God be the glory alone. I told ya, get your hands high, soldier, and praise God for the five solas. The question at hand for man stands up in amazement. What is the basis for man's justification? How are we justified before a holy God, knowing Jehovah died for the that God would be glorified How are we bona fide in Jehovah's eyes Put the five solas in drive And answer the question The Latin expressions point back to the blessings We have in his presence I'ma let fanatic last second Class is in session Who's our connection to the Father's affection Who blood covers us and covers the cost of election Christ alone via the cross He crossed into death and crossed out the law And crossed back into flesh skin No one should stand between a man and God Except the man When he says who covers the cost of election Christ alone whose blood covers the cost of election Christ alone okay so right there yeah is a very particular doctrine that is only espoused in neo-puritan Calvinist theology it's the doctrine called limited atonement mm. it's the L in tulip and what it what it teaches is that Jesus didn't die for everyone 
Just the elect. He didn't die for the. He didn't die for the whole world. No, 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 no. That would be a waste of Jesus' blood. Because right. the whole world's not going to be saved. Just the elect are going to be saved. So Jesus only died for the elect. That is a Calvinist doctrine that is so particular that nobody else teaches it. No other school, no other tradition, no other denomination, no other group teaches that doctrine but Calvinists. Mm. And so for him to espouse that in the song that's already themed with the, with the Reformation mottos, and for him to say, I was never reformed, what yep. do you call that, bro? What, what do you call that? That would be like me. That would be like me um, rapping on a song called <laughs> The Baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm rapping on a song called The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in the song, I say, yo, uh, you know, the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. And, and you're like, yo, you're Pentecostal. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, bro, <laughs> that's literally the Pentecostal doctrine. Right. That's the that's the distinctive. That's the thing that makes Pentecostals Pentecostals. Right? If you don't believe speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're not Pentecostal. So, bro, he's spitting a very specific doctrine of Calvinism and then turns around and says, I'm not I'm not a Calvinist. Right. Now, now, now I, I can understand how people can get confused because because not everybody has a very good um, sense of their faith tradition, right? You were you were saying earlier how like you grew up in a church that called itself non-denominational, right? And yeah. so I'm sure there was a season when you didn't know that you were Pentecostal, right? I thought this is You're just like normal. I'm just a Christian. This is just you know, what I'm we just do, right? Exactly. So like that's what I would call like a lack of faith stream awareness. And I didn't coin that term. Uh, that, 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 that's a term that a friend of mine, Dan Stringer, uses in his book, Struggling with Evangelicalism, because he's trying to teach people in that book that you need to be aware that evangelicalism is a tradition. Evangelicalism is not Christianity as a whole, which a lot of people get confused about that too, right? They're like, if you're not evangelical, are you even a Christian? Yeah. Right? And so he's saying, bro, you have to recognize like, Evangelicalism is a particular tradition within Christianity, that there's other traditions, and, and evangelicalism is not the whole. And see, I can understand if fanatics said, yo, when I was Reformed, I didn't know I was Reformed. I just thought I was a regular Christian, because mm. this is all I knew. I could understand that, but he says specifically that's not the case. Right. That he knew the difference between Reformed and not Reformed, and he wasn't Reformed. And I'm like, bro, you're, you're just either like, you're just not being honest. Yeah. You're just like, not being honest, bro. So, so then now, now, um, it made us like, okay, now what's really happening here? And then that, that's where kind of where we're at right now is like, well, what's going on? Like, cause at first I'm like, all right, cool. If you want to lose your faith, people lose their faith all the time. No big deal. But like, okay. Let, let's go a little bit like, come on, like it, you're being very vague. And if you uh, I'll post the video, the link to the video. So those who want to watch it can watch it. He doesn't really give you anything to say why he stopped believing. He makes little hints here and there. Um, and, you know, and I think I think he does. The, the main thing is like, OK, I started to see uh, or problems with the Bible, pro pro problems with the Bible. 
no duh like what do you what no like bro what do you that's that's the problem the bible itself is the problem of thinking this is he used the word inerrancy right which means it's totally mm -hmm. no flaws um like i mean even i i mentioned this to you the other day like man just read a couple of like pn's books and like it, it'll help you understand like this is a uh, how long is this story 6000 year old story written over this amount of time in w different authors different right. settings right uh, there's there's it's not going to all line up it's not meant to be it's not meant to answer our questions it's not right. meant it's not right. trying to answer our modern questions so so you you touched on something that's really really important so his tradition taught him how to read the Bible. His tradition taught him what he was to, to expect from the Bible. And his tradition set him up to fail because it taught him to expect the wrong things from the Bible. Mm. Right. I, I wrote a chapter in a book um, that was called um, the HTML uh Actually, I can't remember the title of the book. It was something about the HTML, a theology of the internet, the HTML of cruciform love or something like that. But my chapter was called, The Bible is Not a Database. Mm. Because what I was observing was that some people have a framework when they, a, a, a mental model, when they approach the Bible, it's like, I have questions. So I go to the Bible and I put in my search terms, right? Like, I want to know about money. Do, 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 bang. Yeah. Right? And it's like, Give me all the verses on money. Right. And then it's like, it's like Google, right? Like, like, but the Bible is supposed to be my ethical Google, right? It's supposed to answer all my questions. And so I put in my search terms, money, bang, sex, bang, right? And all the like verses pile up and I, and I take all the verses and I go, okay, this is what the Bible says about sex. No, that's <laughs> not actually how the Bible works at all. Right. But we have, we have brought our frameworks and our expectations and our under in our hermeneutics that's another kind of fancy word presuppositions exactly we've brought our way of thinking to the bible and expected the bible to conform to our way of thinking versus what kind of book is the bible instead of asking the question you tell me what you are bible you tell me what 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 answers you're trying to provide or what kind of literature you are, <laughs> right? Like, instead but, of instead of Im imposing our will on the Bible, we should be trying to draw out of the Bible what the Bible has to offer. And so by us saying this, in that tradition, if they would say, these guys are way off. Exactly. They're non-believers, exactly. right? Non That's what they, they yeah. would, they would immediately write us off. Yeah. And yeah. That's why, like, right now when we were playing the track, like, you're hearing these words into a normal Christian, right, who goes to church every Sunday, whatever. You hear these words, and I'm like, yeah, this is dope. Like, they're like, the lyrics probably make sense to them, but they don't really know what's, you know what I mean? They don't really know what's happening in, in this song, in these songs, right? They just hear these these lof lofty words about God and Christ and salvation and worship and elect and you know what i mean you they, 
if you a regular listener is probably not going to catch all that. Let's 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 name one of the elephants in the room, okay? Let's name it. Progressive traditions or progressive theology or liberal traditions or liberal theology, right? Like like what we're saying is he was precluded from ever considering the possibility that there could be another way of reading the Bible. Mm, that, right. the, that the progressives, that the liberals could be right, right? He was precluded from ever going down that road because his tradition said, either you read the Bible this way or you're a heretic or you're a non-believer or you're, you're, just, you're just dumb. <laughs> you're just dumb. Like you just don't know. And so he never entertained the possibility that there could be a different in- interpretation of the Bible, a different hermeneutic, right? He never even entertained that. It was fundamentalism or nothing. Right. But they they didn't call it fundamentalism. They just believe this is true Christian. The, the truth. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Fundamentalism doesn't that's never that's part of fundamentalism. Right. Part of fundamentalism is a lack of self-awareness. Right. Fundamentalists don't say, hey, we're fundamentalists. There's liberals over there. They say, no, we're right. They're wrong. We're true. They're false. Right. Right. Like we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. Fundamentalism doesn't say, hey, we're one particular tradition among many traditions. They say we're the right ones and everyone else is wrong. Right. So there's this great there's this great um, cartoon. I don't know if you could throw this up. There's this great cartoon. Can I uh, can I shoot you a link? Uh, Yeah. Something I'm. I think you can. Or maybe I can screen share. Can I screen share? Yeah, you can screen share. Okay, let me let me let me show you this. Um, oh, it says I need Chrome to screen share. Let oh. me let me send you this link. I'm gonna send you this link. Can you throw it up? Yeah, let's try it. This I, I feel like this I feel like this this cartoon, even though it's a cartoon, and even though it's like somewhat playful, it's still making a really important point um, about faith stream awareness. Yeah, there it is. Now the the text is kind of small, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, read the text for you. So the teacher in the classroom is pointing at a at a at a screen or a graphic that says churches and Christian movements throughout history, and you can see that that starts with one A.D., which is sort of representative of like Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Birth of Jesus, right? So Jesus is in you know is born, and then from one A.D. you see all these branches. Yeah. You see all these branches branching off, branching off, branching off, branching off, branching off. And then he's pointing at one at the very far end of that of that graphic. Right. And above him, it says, so this is where our movement came along and finally got the Bible right. And then there's like students lined up and they're like they're like kids. Right. And there's one kid that's talking to another kid. and And he says or she says they say. Jesus is so lucky to have us. <laughs> so, so, so this is this is this is one of the conceits of fundamentalism. Is that fundamentalism is way down on the on the family tree of Christianity. It's way it's branch it's branched off you know a thousand times, and it says we finally got the Bible right. Right. We're right. the ones that are right, and everyone else is wrong. And so somebody like fanatic who is, is uh, immersed in a fundamentalist tradition, he never even considers the idea that 
he could explore progressive or liberal interpretations and find truth there because he's already he's already been told like that's not where truth is. It's like God God got it right in the 16th century. Like that's <laughs> yeah. where he nailed it with yeah. some yep. white yep. dudes from Germany. Like, for six, for fi- for 1500 years Christians were were wrong. Right. <laughs> 1500 years and then Luther came along and boom. Boom. There it is. Now, now we now we got the truth. Right. Right. So so N.T. Wright has this famous quote that I like to I like to share with people. N.T. Wright is a world famous New Testament scholar. He was the Bishop of Durham. He's an Anglican, you know, minister and and written like, I don't know, 50 something books or. But anyways, he says for too long, we have accepted 19th century answers to 16th century questions. Mm. Yeah. That's important. That's important because there was like there was a lot of like modern scholarship in Germany in like the 19th century, right? You got Bart and Boltmann and all this stuff, right? So you got a lot of like German scholars that are that are quoted in seminary and and they're answering 16th century questions. They're addressing what Luther talked about, right? And uh, and the other reformers. He says, "For too long we've accepted 19th century answers to 16th century questions." He says, but we need to we need to be asking 21st century questions and seeking first century answers. Mm, In other words, different. we need to be look yeah, we need to be looking at the scriptures, you know, through their eyes, through the eyes of someone that would be receiving this message for the first time. In its original context, its original culture, its original way of, of communicating. And then and then ask the 21st century questions that we have, mm. right? Yeah. And so Reformed theology is stuck in that, that in-between 16th and 19th centuries. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's when the truth arrived, apparently. Right. <laughs> that's when, that's when <laughs> got it right. Um, so as we start to wrap up, TC, why does this, I don't know, why does this even matter? Like, why are we even talking about this? Um, I feel like my audience really wouldn't care for the most part. I mean, I care. Um, I, <clears throat> you know, I'm righteous and ratchet. How I, I, I always say like, <laughs> like Kev on stage. <laughs> yeah. I love Kev on stage. Um, so like some, every once in a while, these things will just like pique my interest and I, I want to talk about it. Obviously I love hip hop. You can see, oh wait, here we go. MF doom. Wait. Oh, here we go. Yeah, MF yeah. Doom, Kendrick, Freddie Gibbs, Wu-Tang. Who else is there? Okay, that's it. So these are like my favorite rappers. Um, as I was still following this story, um, it seems like it's really the uh, uh, people who are come from that tradition are, are, are throwing Fanatic under the bus. Like, um, they're like, you know, saying he never was a believer. So it's like his own people that he came from are like, like throwing them out. Um, reformed on reformed violence. Yeah. That's what I call that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and like, like for me, like I said, like I didn't, you know, I don't, I care, but I really don't care. Um, anyway, what I'm, what I'm getting at is I watched the ambassadors video and, um, 
you know, he was even saying like he doesn't even know Biggie lyrics because he at the height of the cross movement, he didn't listen to that. Right. And that's part of this this part of this like you know, this system. Like, no, I listen to all that. I drink, mm-hmm. I you know, <laughs> I cuss a little bit. I might smoke a little bit like, and I'm, I love Jesus. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, um, but there's no room for that. Right. I I think, I I think, I think I get what you're asking. And and, and the reason why this is important to you and me is because you and me have, have embraced a way of understanding the divine that is more holistic and more embracing of our humanity, of our ability to be flawed individuals, to be people on a journey, to be people that are not perfect, and that don't have all the answers, and um, and people that you know do and you know enjoy the things uh, of this world, this life has to offer, right? Like we're not we're not uh, teetotalers, and we're not legalists, and we're not you know uh, sectarian, we're not where- separatists. That's where, I, that's where I like the whole like Richard War vibe of like letting go of the dualistic mind. Yeah, this dualism that we it's either this or that. You can right. only do this and you can't do that. Um, right. That's where I love like that whole that and, whole stream. Right, and because you and I have embraced that non-dualistic faith, that view of faith, when somebody like fanatic comes along and says, you know. Um, I'm renouncing Christianity and we know that he hasn't even experienced that non-dualistic, holistic, you know, view of faith. Part of us feels, you know, sympathy for him and bad for him. And another part of us feels like you're, you're telling other people that it's either this, this type of Christianity or nothing. Mm. And we feel like that's also preventing people from experiencing what, what, what we've experienced which is a more, a more holistic, more, more, uh, I would say more beautiful, more, uh, humanity honoring, more Imago Dei honoring view of, of faith, right? That's not rigid. That's not dualistic. That's not, uh, you know, creating us versus them antagonism, right? Yeah. That, that we can actually embrace fanatic as an agnostic. You and I can embrace Absolutely. fanatic as an agnostic. We can be like, yo, brother, like we're all on a journey. Right. But like, but like his his insistence that it's either reformed fundamentalist Christianity or nothing shows that puts he, him at odds yeah. with you and me. We're we're going, no, actually it's not. And it's still it's still fundamentalism. It's still like yeah. I'm throwing the whole thing out. I can't yeah. embrace maybe a different viewing another way. I have to just throw it all out. And that's the problem. That's why we're having this conversation is because, bro, you can. You can explore other avenues. You can explore other ways of thinking about this story that we are invested in and we're a part of. And I've seen this before, bro. I've seen this in a lot of ex-evangelicals, right? Where they reproduce a kind of rigid all or nothing binary in their in their agnosticism or in their atheism right that now it's either wooden interpretation of the bible 
right? That's not open to any other interpretation or, or nothing. Right. Either the Bible means literally the dumbest thing it could, it could possibly mean, or it's worthless. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you're like, mm, actually, like there's ways of interpreting the Bible that are, that give us guidance and wisdom. And we don't have to take it literally all the time. Yeah. hundred percent. Actually, you know, today's lectionary text, um, I was having this conversation with uh, uh, my community and I love this because uh, the way we do it at Mission Hills is um, is like a podcast that's uh, released, and then on Sunday we just talk about it. There's it's not one way; it's it's a conversation. And same same, same thing we do at our church. I love it. And the text was um, when Jesus, I believe it's Luke, uh, where Jesus reads the scroll from Isaiah and omits yep. different things. And he's alluding to Jubilee. But I found out from one of our scholars that Jubilee was sort of a myth. It really wasn't truly practiced. Did you know that? I found that out today and it blew my mind. Well, there's no evidence. There's no practiced. evidence that it was practiced. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. that alone, I mean, just, just that simple little thing, right, of knowing that opens up so much more um, ideas, um, questions, is Jesus mm -hmm. saying, okay, this is the way it can be? You know, this mm -hmm. is a, a, a vision that I'm trying to, you know, get you to see. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, or even something simple. I was reading, uh, I was finishing up um, a Pete Enns book. I think it was How the Bible Actually Works. And even something simple as like the parable of wineskins. Three Gospels give you three different interpretations of that very thing. What is a new wineskin for? And each one is telling you it's for this. Another one's telling you it's something different. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that right. alone, just those simple little examples open up yeah. so many more. Uh, it just makes it more rich. And, 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 there's, and there's a rich, long tradition of coming up with creative interpretations of scripture that riff off of what other people have thought before called midrash mm -hmm. rabbis have been doing this for centuries riffing off of what other rabbis said and coming up with their own creative twist on an interpretation of a passage that's called midrash and like that's perfectly in line with the faith of jesus yeah like paul did this paul has his own midrash midrash ik um, interpretations of scripture in his letters that are part of the New Testament. So we can see a trajectory in the Bible itself that teaches us to come up with our own creative interpretations that meet the needs of the moment. Mm. But fundamentalism precludes that. Fundamentalism says, nope, there is one right interpretation of this passage. It's the one that Luther had in the 16th century and if you diverge from that like you're a heretic right <laughs> so we're here what i'm trying to say with my whole goal with with my whole podcast it's called still searching so it's like it's okay if 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 you're tuning in and you only hear this part i'm, I'm just telling you it's okay to number one doubt exactly it is okay to not believe this story. 
Uh, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to feel like, man, this is like, doesn't make any sense. It's totally okay. Right. Um, and that you don't have to completely abandon the beauty that you do still see in this story. Um, and there's other ways to see it. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. If, if people hear one thing that you and I are saying, it's that you don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. Like Fanatic felt like he had to have all the answers or else his faith was ruined. Mm. He had to give up. He had to give up the faith. And you and I are saying that's not how faith works. Faith is not about having all the answers. Faith is about being on the journey. Trust. And we're all in process. Like you and I are not the people we were five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We're all in process. Mm. We're all, you know, changing and evolving and growing. And we'll be different people in 10 years from now. Right. Right. So, you know, so so that's what's so that's what's so frustrating about about a a dude like Fanatic who who influenced us. Right who helped us along the journey, now giving up and saying, actually, there's no journey. It's either right or wrong, in or out. Yeah, it was all it was all a lie, guys. Yeah. And we're saying, actually, this is all part of the journey. <laughs> even your even your denouncing the faith is part of the journey. It's mm. good stuff. Great conversation, man. It was it was a lot of fun. TC. Yeah. I always love having I always love talking to you. Um looking forward to the book. When 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 do you think it might be ready? Next year? This year? Whew. Man, that's a good question. Um I don't know how like publisher publishing works. Yeah. So I just know that like I gotta get it done this year. <laughs> you, gotta, you just gotta do your part. I'm, yeah, I'm contracted this year, so that's all I know. But uh as far as like the marketing and like the release date and all that, like that's out of my hands or, or at least right now I'm not aware of it. So yeah, I'll keep you updated though. For sure. For sure. All right, my man. Well, it's always a pleasure. Like I said, um, you're always welcome to come on and I love chopping it up with you, man. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, first time going live on Facebook. Support. And share it with your friends. And who knows, maybe this might get to. All right, y'all.